Oh my God, that's enough of that. It's enough of that. Welcome to So Appropriate, guys. Today is gonna be, well, let's call it August 2nd. So I have a very special episode today. The real Jared Hamilton, the life coach, health coach, wellness coach, fitness, diet, exercise guru is talking to me. I can't believe he agreed to do it. He's very busy. He's pretty famous in this wellness space, but somehow I've convinced him that I'm worthy of his time. And I'm so, so, so grateful. And it was a great conversation. And honestly, the reason behind it is, I'm going to be honest, you guys, I I'm a mess. Um, I am a fat fuck right now. Like to, I, I am overweight. I'm unhappy. I'm out of control. My personal life is a mess. I am a mess. And I think that I'm a woman. I am a white chick who's, you know, very vain. And I'm sure you're with me here, but I have tried every diet on the planet. I've done keto, I've done Weight Watchers, I've counted macros, I've done Soul Cycle, I got a Peloton, I got a mirror, and nothing is giving me what I need from that, meaning that I'm still overweight and I still don't love myself and I don't like the way I look right now. And I think a lot of that to give myself a break and to give all of us a break. I think that right now is a weird time. Um, I think just the way, I don't wanna get into it because you know how I feel about stuff and I don't wanna answer. The world is not great right now for many reasons. Everyone is on edge, people are fighty, people are cranky. It's just, it's just not a good time right now. And I think we all wear our anxiety about that in different ways. Some people hide from it, some people ignore it, some people think things are hunky-dory. Um, I don't. I am deeply disturbed by the state of the world. And, you know, looking out on the horizon makes me unhappy. And I am wearing that stress, anxiety, and disappointment on my body. So, and honestly, I think, you know, again, I, I said I've done every diet, I've done everything, and I kind of reached a point this week where I want to get off the ride, meaning that I am a, and Jared and I get into this in our talk, but basically I've reached a point where I am sick and tired of being involved in diet culture and being involved in exercise culture and being into this trend and that trend, and I, nothing works, nothing is the same, Everything's a fad. I feel like I'm just throwing good money down the toilet. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of chasing. I'm tired of like chasing stuff with in diet culture. I'm done. And I just, I've reached a breaking point. I'm tired of, I'm tired of all of it. And I want to get off this ride. So real Jared Hamilton is his handle on Instagram. As I said, he's, I guess the best way to, to describe him is a wellness coach. And he's just a great follow on Instagram. He actually gives a ton of content away for free. Like if you just follow him and just read his stories every night and go through his posts, he he gives you a lot of good info. He always DMs people back. I don't know how this guy sleeps, but he's he's constantly like responding to people, even people I know. When I put 
I put the question out on my Insta stories the other night that I was talking to Jared Hamilton and a few people were like, that guy's awesome. He always DMs me back and I don't even like, I'm not even like one of his trainees. So, um, but I think I'm going to start getting more serious involved in like that aspect of my life, meaning that something in me is broken and the reason why I can't just have like a normal, you know, like I said to my mom, I'm, I'm fat. Like I am 15 pounds overweight right now. I gained 15 pounds since March of 2020. I can't get rid of it. I've lost three pounds. Uh, Vuzavela sound. Woohoo. Who cares? And it took me like a month to lose it. And I think it's fine. You're supposed to lose weight slow, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the amount of anxiety and stress and involvement I had to do with that is just insane. And so I said to my mom, oh, I'm overweight, whatever. And my mom's like, well, just eat less. Well, mom, for some people, it's different. My mom, you know, was born in the 50s. And in those days, like women would just, if you go, if you have time, go and Google 1950s diets. And it's basically like, you know, have a cigarette and a black coffee and basically just eat less. And I think that now with all that's going on in the world and all of the information that's available to us and the marketing and the bullshit, and we are physically unable, at least I am, to just simply eat less food. It needs to be, it's so much more nuanced than that now. And and you'll hear it in my conversation with Jared Hamilton that I... I'm just talking for me, but I know there's other people out there just like me. It's so much more than like food for me. Like food for me is a celebration. Food for me is a crutch. And I'm not grossly overweight. Like I'm not a person, you're not going to walk by me on the street and go like, oh, she should be in a scooter at Disney World. No, but I, I said to Jared when I talked to him, I feel like I'm this cute person I used to be in a fat suit. And... You know, and my face looks weird. Like, I just, I've gained weight and I don't like it. And I wasn't someone that needed to gain weight. I should have, whatever. So I'm trying to, like, clear the clutter in my head and get rid of the noise and get to the the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and sabotaging myself. And, you know, I, I don't have bad genes. I don't have a health issue. There's no reason why I'm 15 pounds overweight. It's just, it's unacceptable. And... You know, not to get like weird here, but I don't want my kids to have a chubby mom. Like I want them to be proud of me. I want them to, you know, I want to be the mo- I want to be a, a cute mom. And it's vain and whatever, but it's honest, okay? It's the same reason why I don't want to wear a face shield on the airplane, okay? I'm vain. And I want to look I don't need to be a supermodel. I don't need to be in a bikini, but like I kind of want my pants to button. Okay, fine. And I'm not buying a bigger size. I'm not doing it. I'm just wearing weird clothes until this is over. So I'm fat. And I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I have a very honest chat with Jared. We are getting to the root of why I am the way I am and how I can move forward and how we can get through this diet culture noise because... He's very no-nonsense, and I admire him very much, and I think I'm going to try this because nothing else has worked. And I don't, 
I love being on diets because, you know, I, I'm like real pop culture-y and I love to be like, oh, you're on keto, I'm on keto. And I, oh, the F factor. And like, I love being on whatever the trendy, I, you know me, I love to be involved in whatever school. But I think in order to have a lifestyle change, which is what I want, it's not going to be, that's not gonna be the key. So join me and Jared Hamilton on our journey to figure out how to make me hot again. so much for talking to me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm a little early. I was just sitting down at my desk and I was just finishing some food and I'm like, I'll just go ahead and hop in here. So, so whatever. So are you ready? <laughs> Whenever you are, I am always ready. So awesome. Okay. Well, I want to just thank you so much for agreeing to do this because Absolutely. I've been a silent follower of yours for a while. And I reached out because, well, I'll, I'll tell you about them. So tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It, it, it means yeah, a lot. Sure. Um, no, for those that don't know, my name is Jared Hamilton. Uh, I'm an online coach. Uh, I've been coaching for like a decade or so. Um, but you know, my big thing is I was, you know, if anyone knows my story, I grew up a fat kid, right? I grew up not just a fat kid, but, um, everything that I, you know, help and teach is, is literally just pointed at old Jared, right? Like, um, like I grew up thinking that like carbs are fat, you have to like do all this stupid stuff to lose weight and, you know, trash your mental health for, you know, a bunch of physical goals and stuff like that. Um, and now I help people all over the planet, like fix all that stuff. So, oh, well, this is why, again, I decided. So as I said, I'm a, I've been a silent file of yours for a while. I don't even know how I found you, to be honest. I just was like, I just really love your content. I think you give a lot of really good shit away for free, but whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I decided to reach out because, and I'm wondering if you can help me. Okay. Because I'm at this point. So I'm 39. I'm a mother of two. I have a six-year-old and a five-year-old. So and over the past year and a half, as we've all kind of seen happen, I have um, kind of let myself go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I put on 15 pounds. I'm going to be honest. I put on 15 pounds. I live in New York. We were locked down. We were stressed out. We were weirdly scared of death, which ugh, whatever I'll get into in another point. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think I, I'm a person that doesn't like rules. So like when this all, like during this whole pandemic, I kind of went crazy and mm. the way I was coping was through drinking and eating. And I'm sure you've heard this a million times. And now I'm at this point where I am 39 years old. I'm pushing probably menopause soon. And I can't get this 15 pounds off of me. I feel like I'm wearing a fat suit or like a costume of another person. I don't feel like myself. I have tried everything over the past year. And now I'm like looking at guys like you talking about fixing your insides and meditating. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not that I exercise or maybe it's not that I'm on Weight Watchers. Like maybe there's something in me that needs to be fixed. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, more than likely that's, that's probably true, right? Like most people's issues, like I teach in my content are it's not about, I mean, yeah, fat loss is about calories and strength training, but it's one of those things where like, if you struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, sabotage, not knowing what to do, not doing it, you know, never being motivated, never being disciplined. Like you can't just out restrict that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. So I was just going to say, you said you struggle with that. I struggle with sabotage. 
-hmm. struggle with binge eating. I struggle with emotional eating. I, and this is all the past year. Like mm-hmm. I have turned into a person where like, I mean, I, I, I think I know you pretty well, like from the internet, but like, you're like a fellow mask hater. Like I worry about my kids all the time. Are they oh, yeah. going to develop diseases from CO2 and wearing masks all the time? And I'm, you know, that's the kind of shit that keeps me up at night. And the other sure. night I got myself into this weird hole and I started eating cereal. I don't even like cereal mm-hmm. and I wasn't hungry. And sure. I just feel like I get to this point where I have anxiety and like the only thing I can do is like eat. Sure. Well, so the issue with that is um, it doesn't take the anxiety away, does it? No. Exactly. So this is why where most people struggle is what you're like, you can't just keep restricting to fix that, right? You could, you, you go in and doing cardio or you like dropping your carbs or you like trying to harder to lose weight is not going to fix the issue you're having right now because yeah. you're not eating out of hunger you're not eating out of like you, you said you don't even you're not hungry you don't even like cereal it's because you're trying not to feel the anxiety yeah and it, it'd be it's it's so that's like that's why like when it comes to it is we have to this is the, the what i call the psychology of fat loss or dieting from the inside out we have to go deeper right because like yeah calories and strength training calorie deficit and strength training is like yeah for fat loss but the issue is if you're like emotionally eating and binge eating and constantly sabotaging yourself who cares what what calorie deficit you hit or what, who cares what workouts you get? Cause you're going to fuck it all up anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's why, that, that's why we have to, to take a step back and go, okay, well, how do I fix this? You know, it's like the equivalent of buying a, a brand new house and you're ready to start putting on room additions, but it comes to find out the foundation's all messed up. Well, you need to stop on the pretty stuff and go do the, the, the underneath the house stuff and fix the foundation. If you want to have any chance of your house staying above ground, you know what I mean? Yeah. So how can you, how would you help someone like me? So um, as far as like, it really depends on what we're looking at. So like, let's take um, emotional eating or anxious eating. Um, I, first thing I would have you do is start journaling. Because here's the thing is, what when it comes to emotions, uh, it's funny. I compare emotions, your emotions and emotional eating to uh, taking a shit, to going to the bathroom. <laughs> Okay. Because it's, it's gross, but it's, uh, this is like, it's, it's really practical and tactical. So like, if all of a sudden you're going through your house, ha- walking around your day to day, and you have the urge to go to the restroom, you go, Ooh, something feels off down there. I yeah. need to go to the bathroom. You don't judge it. You don't avoid it. You don't suppress it. Imagine like you needing to go take a shit and you're like, no, I'm not supposed to feel this. And you go distract with food or work or whatever. Right. Like, it's just going to make it worse. We've all been on like road trips and have to piss and like you like try to distract yourself, but it's just like, I got to go even worse. It's the same thing. Your emotions are the same are is like, is, is, is the same kind of concept. So if you go to do that and you're like, no, I have to go to the bathroom really bad, but I'm not supposed to, to, to do that and distract yourself. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And eventually you're going to break. And it's going to be very messy versus mm-hmm. when you go to need to go to the bathroom, you go, Ooh, I know that feeling. I need to go to the restroom. You go sit on the toilet. What's in comes out. You didn't judge it. Flush it on the toilet. You go on your day. Mm -hmm. The same thing needs to happen with your emotions, right? People get anxious for whatever reason, your kids, COVID, uh, stress, work, whatever. And people go, Ooh, I'm not supposed to feel this. You judge it and you go, I don't want to feel that because it sucks. I'm going to distract with cereal. I'm going to distract with cleaning my house. I'm going to distract with food. And it's just like, and then it doesn't take the anxiety away. And it, to be honest, makes it worse because now you're trying to lose weight and now you're not because you're eating 3000 calories a night and ice cream and, you know, cereal. And then it makes things worse. But then you, this whole time you've been suppressing your emotions, just like if you're suppressing 
they need to go to the bathroom. So then the question is, okay, Jared, so what do we do? We need to hold space for these emotions, just like you hold space for your bowels and you go to the bathroom, you have to hold space for your emotions. So the question is, how do we do that? There's two things. You either meditate, you sit with them and allow yourself to feel, or most people that's a little bit too out of their comfort zone. So then you journal, you literally write about what you're feeling because just like with your, like, I I always love talking to moms about this. So you said you're a mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything your kids can, can not bring to you? No. Exactly. Right. Your ki- how, how old are your kids? Five and six. Okay. So it doesn't matter what they got stung by. It doesn't matter what's bleeding. It doesn't matter how illogical, what the, they're scared of your mom, you make everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not just make everything okay, but you accept before you fix, yep. right? If your kid came to you scared of the dark, like let's say you're worried about whatever, like COVID stuff. And you're like, let's say your kid's scared of the dark. And they're like, mom, I want to sleep with you. I'm scared of the dark. You wouldn't gay say, ah, get your shit together on your own. And then come back to me when you have this figured out. You go accept and let them feel whatever. And half the time that fixes everything. Then if you need to talk them through stuff or whatever, you, you do that. But you accept first and allow them to feel that with you. That's the first thing that people do. The issue is what you're struggling with is you're not allowing yourself to feel anxious. You're saying you're not allowed to feel anxious around me. It's, imagine if you did that to your kid. You, yeah. That would make you a shitty mom. That would be like, if your kid's like, mom, I'm scared. And you go, I don't care. You shouldn't feel scared. Go, go, go keep busy with cereal. You would never do that to your kid, but that's what you're doing to yourself. This is the issue. We have to allow us. We have to be the, the, it sounds really airy fairy, but we have to be the place that allows ourselves to feel anything, right? This is where journaling comes in. We can't reject what we feel. What happens if you reject a child with their reality or what they feel? They act out, they get loud and they do stupid shit to get your attention. Well, we're no different as adults to ourselves. So it's the same kind of thing. This is why when it comes to this, we have to hold space for these emotions and allow ourselves to feel, which is really uncomfortable because the stove is hot, because anxiety sucks, sadness sucks, stress sucks. So then the question is, how do I get myself to feel? Well, the easiest way is literally sit on the floor and breathe and let yourself feel. Go, you know, I'm going to let myself feel anxious and breathe through it. Stop running from it. When you run from negative emotions, it's like a dog chasing you. It just keeps running after you. But what happens when we face the emotions? Like, it's like, if you say, I'm going to go try to get scared, you won't get scared. Because as soon as you face a fear, it goes away. It's the same thing. When you allow yourself to feel anxious, anxiety is not able to stay there because you want it to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And it may not go away very fast because that's a lot of people like, okay, I'm going to sit and make this anxiety go away. Oh my gosh, it's getting worse. It's like, well, because you're doing it with the intention of getting it to leave. Assume you're like the mom to your inner child, yourself. You're like, you know what? I'm going to let you feel this. We're going to sit here and feel stressed and feel anxious and allow it to happen because it's how we heal through it. Just like if you have food poisoning, taking a shit's not very much fun, (laughs) but you allow yourself to do that because you know it's what's needed. You can't just suppress screaming diarrhea. You have to go sit with it, even though it sucks. Right. allow yourself to, to do that in the same way. Basically, this is where like in deep psychology gets to like, you're reparenting yourself. You're, you're handling your inner child the same way you would handle your real life child. But this is why I love from a tactical standpoint is journaling and meditating because too often people say, all right, go journal, go meditate. And that's like saying, watch what you eat. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Right. Versus like, no, I want you to write in a journal about what you feel. And I don't care how illogical it is. Like, okay, well, I'm going to write in my journal. Jared says to journal, I think this is fucking stupid, but now that I'm doing it, I am really stressed and really worried, but 
you know what? I'm not sure. I think it might be illogical. I don't know, but I just feel really sad. And I and it's going to sound like that, yeah. but you'll go from that to writing three pages and you literally just held space for your emotions. And then you, that when that becomes your habit, instead of emotional eating, you're actually healing through these things. Wait, so you're saying, cause I was just going to, I was just going to ask you, you kind of answer me. I was about to be like, what is journaling? <laughs> because yeah, exactly. I don't, I've never done it. So right. what, most people haven't. Okay. Well, I, that actually sounds like it, it actually kind of makes sense to me what you just mm -hmm. said. So like, let's just say, well, let's cut to the other night when, cause sometimes I don't even know that I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't stop and be like, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. I'll just start eating something. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I get to the kitchen. I just start doing it. It's like a yeah. knee jerk reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, maybe what you're saying is, and tell me if I'm wrong, is it's like, when I start feeling these feelings, maybe I open up the notebook and just start writing. Yeah. So one of the worst things I, one of the worst pieces of advice someone can do can tell someone else when it comes to this stuff is just going, Hey, yeah, just don't emotionally eat. It's like, okay, that's like terrible advice. Hey. We're doing the whole Indiana Jones thing. Instead hey. of emotionally eating, we're emotionally journaling in place of it. Right. Because the difference is one's avoidance right. and suppression. The other is I'm going to write about this whole space for it and let myself feel these emotions in a really healthy manner. And then all of a sudden the emotions have no place but to leave. Cause you'll notice if you've never done this, you'll write for days. You'll be like, holy shit. And you'll just write for days. But then excuse me, you do this for, let's say the next month, you'll mm -hmm. barely be able to come up with anything because nothing's bothering you that much because yeah. you're, it's, it's, it's like, imagine if you don't take a shit for a week, every <laughs> time you take a shit, it's going to be really fucking crazy. But if you go to the bathroom every day, it's not that bad. Or like brushing your teeth. You don't wait till you need a root canal to brush your teeth. You brush mm -hmm. your teeth when they're clean. If we're being totally honest, right? You go to bed at midnight, get up at eight and you brush your teeth both times. Your you didn't eat anything. You, but we brush our teeth every single day because it keeps bad shit from happening orally, right. right? Yeah. Like you brush them when they're clean. So like, why not hold space for our emotions every single day, right? Every single day go, you know what, before I go to bed, I'm going to write about how I feel. And it's like the equivalent to brushing your teeth every day because nothing ever has a chance to build up to be this big thing. But if you've been suppressing for what, 30 years or whatever it is, like whoever, you know, whatever the person's going through, uh, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Huh. You know, no one's ever put it to me like that before. Mm -hmm. it's gotta I've be always, simple yeah and I've always said like I am an emotional eater I think a lot of people are mm -hmm. and especially women for some reason but and I actually I listened to I was listening to one of your podcasts there's one that I listen to when I'm having a bad day mm -hmm. uh what is this the breaking free from binging that would be two yeah with Amanda yes and yep. where was I going with this I don't remember but so I was going to ask you, because I, I think you mentioned this in that podcast as well. Do you recommend journaling before the anxiety sets in? Like, like at a set time every single day or like only when I start to feel it or like. So you can be what I call a, a like, a, a, I mean, you can journal anytime. You can be a journal whore and do it every day, all day, anytime, like whatever. Like there's no, like you can't journal too much. Yeah. Um, so I'm a fan of just picking it like making it part of your, of your routine, like picking a time every day to journal, like every right. night before I go to bed or every morning when I have my coffee. Um, and then can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. The, the screen froze and I thought, okay, there we go. I just no, want to okay. make sure you can still hear me. Um, but no, I'm a fan of 
having a time like every day, part of your, your routine, just like brushing your teeth. Like you don't wait till they get bad. You just, you do it every day, but mm -hmm. then also use it like an EpiPen, like onset, like, okay. you know, like you go into mental anaphylactic and you're like, oh shit, I, I'm literally triggered right now. I, I, I'm, I, I want to go find the, the cereal, use it right there. You know what I mean? You know what I'm afraid of? Hmm. Do you watch like a lot of Dateline? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid that someone will murder me or I'll disappear and then they'll find this fucking journal and then well, <laughs> it will be. Well, so, so two things on that. Number one, like if you're dead, who cares? Right. But yeah. then number two, <laughs> um, but number two, you're going to get rid of it when it's full anyway. We're not going yeah. back and rehashing this. You're not going to yeah. go back and reflect on it. Right. You don't take a shit and then sift through it to see what you ate. You just flush yeah. it down the toilet. I have I have a I was talking to a, uh, to a lady that I work with today where she like journals and then instantly puts it in the shredder. She journals shredder journals shredder because it's the equivalent of flushing the toilet. But. I'm going to do that. I just, it's so weird. Like I have a thing, you know, now we're like text people and stuff. And I have a thing about putting pen to paper and I'm like, what if someone sees this? Yeah. Like who cares? Well, and it, yeah. Right. Well, like, to be honest though, like number one, no one's going to see it. Number two, no one's, I mean, you know how hard it is to get people to read a whole Instagram caption, let alone yeah. a book in a box that's chicken scratch of how you felt on Tuesday, the third, right? Yeah. Like it's not that, you know, but the other thing that you said that I do want to, I want, I, I want to mention that keeps a lot of people trapped where you're at is when you, when you said, well, I'm an emotional eater. So the issue is you just tied the thing you want to get rid of with your identity. Yeah. Like imagine if someone goes, I'm a smoker and they're trying to quit smoking, but they're like, they're triggering their nervous system and their identity. Like, no, I am a smoker. It, yeah. it, you, it literally instantly makes it a thousand times harder, harder to, to fix this because your brain only cares about self-preservation, right? Your brain doesn't care if you're happy or healthy. Your, your brain just doesn't want you to die. Well, the issue is if you're like, I am an emotional eater. Now you're trying to quit emotionally eating. Yeah. But you identify as an emotional eater. Your brain doesn't want you to not be one because it's part of your identity. That means your identity is gone. Yeah. We have to break this free from your identity. Yeah. Right. Like people go, oh, I'm never, I'm just not a motivated person. It's like, well, you expect to be motivated when you just said you're a person who is never motivated. We have to start attaching to our identity, the things we want, the activities we do. Like, oh, I'm a person who just keeps promises themselves. I'm a person who stays emotionally intelligent. I'm a person who, whatever it is, I'm an, an amazing mom, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Those are great actions and habits. So tie those to your identity. Right. Yeah. But then the stuff you don't want to do, we have to break them from your identity, right? You might have an emotional, you might have emotionally E10 in the past, but you're not an emotional eater. Right. Right. Yeah. I there's have a massive e difference. You know, and it's funny because I say, I say that all the time, I'm emotionally, but I eat when I'm happy too. Like when I want to mm -hmm. celebrate, I'm like, let's get margaritas and chips, mm -hmm. you know? And so I tie it to bad and I tie it to good. And like, I want to get to a point where I'm just eating because I'm hungry. Right. right. And, and here's the thing is in the society we live in where it can be normal to on the positive side, emotionally eat like you got to raise at work. Let's go celebrate. Yeah. Um, it's your kid's birthday. Let's have cake. Like that's totally normal, but we can't have it control us on the negative side where like you're trying to do everything you can do to avoid feeling pain. Because if you look at it on the positive side, it's enhancing an experience, right? Your kid's birthday cake. Uh, you get a raise at work. You go get margaritas like it's enhancing an experience that's a whole different world than suppressing emotions, right? You would never tell your kid, mommy, I'm sad. And you're not going to say, well, go act like it didn't happen. And here's the bag of tortilla chips. You would never right. do that, but you would celebrate their birthday with well, them. Sometimes, so, I do. 
sometimes when my kids cry, I'm like, you want ice cream? Well, and that's the thing though, is that's, that's, that like, that's teaching the kid, your kids like, Hey, what you're feeling is you you shouldn't feel these things. Right. That's, that's the, that's the problem. That's like teaching emotional suppression. You see what I mean? (laughs) That's bad, right? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, well, here, well, but here's the thing is like, but now, you know, right. It's like, Oh, maybe I should just sit with them and be with them and let them feel and just be like, I mean, it's like, it's, that's literally the best thing you can do is even with like, like, let's say your kids like bust their face off the concrete and they are a spastic mess because their face is bleeding. There's nothing you could do to make that feel better because it hurts. But what do you do as mom? You just hold them. You be with them. Yeah. You go, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It'll get better. And you just hold space. It's okay to, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset, like making it okay for them to feel but that's what we need to do to ourselves. It's why things like journaling, meditating, therapy, you know, things like that are really important. It's so, it's so interesting. And again, I thank you so much for talking to me. Cause like, I feel like I, I'm like immersed in diet culture right now and we can get into that too. But like, no one's ever said it. No one's ever explained this to me in this way, like in a cerebral (laughs) way, like, because right now, for example, I'm, I'm trying to lose, I lost three pounds. Woohoo! But I I need to lose twelve more, and so I was like, well, I'll try Weight Watchers. And now I'm like, I'm in it. You know, I'm in the app and the logging and the points. And whole hog, I go in for three weeks, and now I'm like three weeks in, and I'm like, this fucking sucks. Like I'm like at lunch with a friend, I have to be like, hold on, you know. And it's it's weird, Jared, because like I want I want to drop some pounds. I want to be accountable. I want to. I'm not opposed to like logging what I eat and counting what I'm doing, but I kind of want to like get off the ride. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're, you're immersed in diet culture, right? There's a difference between sustainably losing weight in a way you could maintain forever versus like picking a diet that has its name and cult like following. There's a big difference. You know what I mean? This is why, like, for example, like I've been coaching people for a decade and I've never once recommended a diet that has its name, its own name because it doesn't fit. What do you tell people to do? Well, we, it's about you, right? It's about like the principles, right? It's about the principles that, that make fat loss happen, but in a way that's sustainable for you. It's like, think about like your money, you got you and your family, when it comes to your income, you probably just budget in a way that's intelligent for you, that takes care of the bills, saves a little bit, pays off debt and keeps your lifestyle dope. Right. Mm -hmm. It's probably what you do, (laughs) but it, it, it falls under the law of like, don't over, it probably falls under the law of like, don't overspend, live a little below your means, pay yourself first, like those normal things. You're not necessarily living and dying by some financial institution system, right? It's the same kind of thing with this, right? Like, like, so for example, to save money, you have to spend less than what you earn. Right. That's it. Right. That that is like literally it with fat loss. We have to be in a calorie deficit. So the the thing is like, okay, so how do we make that happen for you? Mm-hmm. right? For some people counting calories sends in, in them into a panic attack. Okay. So that we might say, why don't we like step one, keep your life the same. We're just going to cut out liquid calories. There's your calorie deficit done. You'll lose weight. Right. It's not like, well, let's do keto, paleo fasting, weight watchers, whatever system. Right. It's a matter of taking a step back and going, okay, what's realistic for me. These are the laws of fat loss, calorie deficit, exercise and movement probably should have more protein in my diet and mm-hmm. eat more plants. Like, okay. Those are like the big staples. 
But that doesn't mean you have to like avoid carbs and do all this other crazy stuff. Because the reason people do crazy diet culture stuff is because they just don't understand. They think sugar stores fat. They think carbs are bad. They think they cannot eat birthday cake and still lose weight. They think they have to give up alcohol because it magically stores fat. They think they have to do cardio. They have to be in the gym every day. So if your belief systems are wrong, it's no, it's no, it's, it's not your fault that you're struggling, right? If someone taught your kid two plus two equals 17, it's not their fault. They struggle in school yeah, because they have the wrong foundation. So part of this is unlearning all of that bullshit that you've learned and then actually understanding from a fundamental standpoint, because it goes, oh, wow, this isn't that bad. Imagine if someone taught you that you to save money was something other than spend less than what you earn. Yeah. It would be impossible to get ahead. Yeah. It's the same thing with this. Yeah. Right. Like the concept of like, how do I do this? For, how, how do I do this for someone? Well, number one is realizing no food stores fat. The only thing in the world that stores fat is eating too many calories over mm-hmm. an extended period of time. That's it. Mm-hmm. I, in 2019, I did what I called the daily donut. And I had between one and three donuts every single day for six months in a deficit. And I lost 30 pounds. Right. Yeah. Right. So carbs don't bad. Sugar isn't bad. It's all context. So if you can count calories, that's the best and easiest way because cal- calories, a calorie, just like an inch is an inch or a mile is a mile. So if you eat everything you fucking love in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. You make your own rules, right? If you're like following keto, well, their rules say you can't have carbs, but we all like carbs. So we're not going to play their game. Right. Let's say you're like, well, should I fast? Well, I like eating more than like in a four hour window. So I don't want to play by their rules. So we're not going over to their house. Well, maybe I should do weight watchers. Well, I want to eat more than 900 calories a day if I have a muffin. So I'm not going to their house and playing by their rules. It's a matter of taking a step back and going, okay, let's say we go the calorie route. Like, okay, what's the maximum amount of calories I can eat and still lose weight? Cause that's the intention you want to have. How much can I get away with eating and still lose? Right. People act like it's a contest of who can suffer the most. And that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. It's like, if your boss at work said, can I just give you a raise and you keep doing everything the exact same, you would be, you would absolutely right. You wouldn't be like, no, I don't want it. It's like with dieting, the goal is to eat as much as possible while losing. Mm-hmm. Realize that no food stores fat, only too many calories stores fat. So of course, the majority of what you eat, just like the majority of the money you spend is on responsible purchases. You're not buying stupid shit all day, but because your budget is in check, you do spend money on probably stupid stuff you don't need, right? We all do, but it's because the budget's in check. Right. So get your calorie budget in check. All right, let's get my calories set. And this is one thing like as a coach that I help people do is like figuring out where these numbers should be. So all right, here's your calories. Let's just make arbitrary numbers, 2000, right? That's your, that's your magic number. 2000 calories is what you can do to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Now eat your favorite foods and don't go over 2000 calories. Boom. Magic fat loss happens. And your friends will want to know what your secret is. That's it. 2000 calories is a lot. That's, that's just an arbitrary number, but yeah, most people also don't realize how much they can eat and still lose. Oh, okay. Cause I was like, for, most I feel- women in your, in your position think they've got to eat like a thousand calories a day. I know. Like I've gotten, I got it. I did a macro count. I don't know if like, I'm sure you hate that shit, but like I, I've tried everything and I got like a custom macro count. And the woman told me to eat like 15, 1555 a day. And I ate it. Like I was at 1555. I did not lose one fucking pound. I was like, what the fuck? How long was it? How long? Two, two, three months. And you ate 1500 calories every single day, including the weekends and never took any time off or never fell off the wagon. Well, I, I would have, I, Saturday night, maybe I go 17, 18 and mm-hmm. I exercise. Well, sure. Well, see, this is why it's a big picture thing. And I'm not saying someone has to be perfect, but for example, when someone restricts their calories to a really small amount, 
and then they have frequent let's say every week let's say every weekend you get a little loosey-goosey that's yeah. that's like that's like spending extra money every single weekend your yeah. budget's going to get blown out of the water like yeah. imagine if you said all right we can only spend 1500 a month and that is all we can spend is 1500 bucks a month but then on the weekend every weekend you spent 2000 would that not throw all of your numbers out of the water and you'd be like wow we're in debt this sucks yeah. it's the same thing with this yeah. but here's the thing uh, maybe 1500 is too low, right? This is why I would be really curious about how she got that number. Cause it's so yeah. fucking specific. Yeah. When I give clients calories, I give them a range. You do because yeah, because this way it doesn't have number one. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be consistent, but it's like, let's say and it leaves, leaves that perfectionist obsessive mentality behind. If I say, Hey, hit between 15 and 1700 calories, 15 and 1600 calories, where there's that like buffer where it's yeah. like 1500, good 1501 failure, right? right. We don't want that. Right. But this is why part of how this game goes is we have to just set everything right too, because this has to be sustainable for like ever, right? You're, you've made the decision long ago, you're going to brush your teeth till the day you die. So because it has to be sustainable to keep your results, we have to maintain what we're doing for the rest of our lives. So we have to do this in a minimalist way that's sustainable. So, um, which is why we got to get your calories as high as possible while losing, but then make it to where your lifestyle can still be enjoyed, which means your weekends, which means your alcohol, which means your kids, which means your random Tuesday at Mexican, right? Like we have to make all that work inside this. Otherwise it's like, what's the fucking point? Cause you'll just throw in the towel. But the issue is so many people are in such a quick hurry to lose weight. And then they're taking their metrics out of context. Like so many people say, Jared, I've tried everything and I haven't lost weight. And all they do is weigh themselves once a week. And it's like, that's the worst way possible. They're not way they're not using the scale correctly they're not looking at pictures they're not losing looking at measurements and then they're having inconsistent days which throws off all the data where then it's like well no wonder you're struggling you see what yeah. i mean well that's you just described me to a t because i'm like a model citizen <laughs> and then saturday night i'm like fuck it and i'll have eat fine and have four margaritas but i still think like even if i was really good. I'm saying good with air quotes, but like within my numbers for six days is one night going to fuck it all up. So here, here, here's the thing. Um, is the, it will one night fuck it up? No, but, it, but if that one night is every week, it's no longer one night. It's called a habit. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing because it's not one night, right? One night. Cause one, one day of anything will never make or break you. But when that one night is a weekly holiday, it is no longer one night. See what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and it's okay. This is what everyone struggles with, <laughs> but this is why, but here's the thing, maybe the, but I would argue the reason you feel like you have to let loose on the weekends is because you're over really restricting on during the week. Yeah. I don't know what why. happens. I if just, I just, it's because like you're in, actually... it's because you're in, indoctrinated into diet culture. Here's the cool <sighs> thing. You, you quit restricting, you quit binging. Yeah. Half the reason other than like emotionally driven stuff, which we got that taken care of with journaling now, right. but with the reason people binge and go off the rockers because they restrict, you take away the restricting, you take away the binging. Yeah. Right. The issue isn't work harder on the weekends. The issue is no, no, no. Your mentality starting Monday is what's fucked up. Your mentality Monday through, through Friday, where you're being good, not allowed to have your favorite foods. Oh, I don't need that. And then you wonder why you smash crazy amounts of food on the weekend. Of course I would too. But well, what happens strange. if you, what would happen if like on a Tuesday, you wanted a margarita, you had a margarita. What yeah. happens if on a Wednesday afternoon, you're like, man, a piece of pizza sounds good. And you stop by the, 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 the restaurant and get one slice of pizza. Now you don't even want the whole pizza anymore. You just bought the one slice. What happens if, you know, on a random Wednesday evening, you're like, man, cookies sound really dope. So you have two Oreos. That's 150 calories. 
and it's done there. Now you're not trying to smash crazy margaritas, crazy Oreos, crazy ice cream on the weekends, right? Cravings are, uh, are like a bow and arrow where the further back you pull back and restrict, the farther that binge arrow is going to launch as a really corny analogy. But, but like the thing is with cravings, people go, well, how do I handle cravings? And every fitness coach is like, eat an apple, ignore it, go work out. No, it's fucking garbage. Eat what you're craving. Just eat it like, not like an asshole. Right. Cause all calories are the same, right? Like, because nothing is inherently bad. It's the context that matters. But here's the thing. People go, Jared, I can't have just one Oreo. I can't have just one piece of pizza. I'm like, well, yeah, because you wait till your cravings of 15 out of 10. Here's the thing about, here's the truth about cravings. Cravings don't start at a 10 out of 10. They start at a two or a one. Then you restrict and go, I don't need that, which is dumb. You don't need both eyes and taste buds and two kidneys, but you have them anyway. But this is why people go, oh, I don't need it. So you restrict. And then now the craving goes to a five, then it goes to a seven, then a 12, then a, I'm going to drop kick a child for their pizza kind of vibes, yeah. which isn't cool. Yeah. This is why what you do is let's say on a Monday night, you go, ah, oh, man, cookies sound nice. Go get a fucking cookie. Yeah. And you know what happens because the craving was a one out of 10. You handled it with a one out of 10 response. You went and had a cookie. Right. Cause you didn't even have the desire to smash the whole pack. You went and bought one cookie. And if you, and if you're like, you're like, I can't have those in my house, then cool. Go to the gas station, go get the fucking cookie, go home and eat it and go, wow, that was good. Cravings are gone. Cause yeah. you handled the craving intelligently it's, versus. Yeah. yeah. This is so interesting. What you just pointed out to me, because what I would do is I would like, and I'm just going to reference Weight Watchers. Cause that's what I'm looking at right now. But I would like, they give you like a, you know, a day, a day amount. And then you get like a weekly amount and you can like dip into that if you want to have a treat. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like, you know, I'm going to say good again, but quote, I would be good and stay within my numbers. And then I'd be like, I'm going to fucking rip it on Saturday and have all the extra points. Mm-hmm. And what you just said to me is interesting because I'm like, well, maybe if I spread out my treats and have mm-hmm. what I want during the week, when I want it, then I won't feel the need to do that. Yeah. The problem, the thing that I don't, the the problem with Weight Watchers though, is this, and this is when people, because people ask me all the time about Weight Watchers because you do, they, they're like, no, if it's in your points, have it. Here's the issue though. How much, what's your Weight Watcher points? 30. Okay. 30. So um, first of all, they have a weird algorithm about how they come up with points, which is really interesting, but let's say your points are 30. Let's say you decide. So let's say if your points are 30, let's say, let's just make, let's play conservative. Um, Let's say, let's put your calories at that 1500 that that coach puts you at, which sound a little, let's sound a little bit too restricted, but let's just say that's 1500 calories is your, let's say weight, weight loss number. Um, and, but your points are 30. Let's say you decide you want a Starbucks muffin. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, how many points a Starbucks muffin is? 15, 20. So interesting. Yeah. A 300 calorie muffin. No, you know what? Let's extrapolate. A 500 calorie fucking muffin is three fourths of your calories. Yeah. This is why people on Weight Watchers, when they actually like add up everything, they're under a thousand a day for a lot of people. So you know what happens when you eat a thousand calories a day? You're starving and you reach a breaking point and go, wow, I don't care. And you binge your face off because Mm -hmm. you're eating less than a toddler. Right. This is, that's the, that's the issue with weight loss. People like, yeah, they let, they, they're by their rules, they let you indulge in whatever you want, but they put the points so high, it takes away three fourths of your day. Right. If, like right. literally if your, uh, if your points are 30 in a mu- in a literally a 500 calorie muffin is 20. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Versus 
if you're mate, let's say, let's say we go with your coach's numbers, which sound really low. That's, that's literally like 500 out of 1500 or four, or cause those are probably still low. Like you could probably get away with 80 eating, like let's say 17, 1800 calories. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. That's totally doable. 500 out of 1800, like bet do it. Like that's, that's simple, mm-hmm. but that, but that's, that's the issue with, with that is, but, but because of that, you inherently restrict, you're like, no, I'm not going to have any of my treats during the week. So I can go fucking ballistic on the weekends. But most people who are in that place, they have this list in their head. These are good foods. These are bad foods. These are good. These are me behaving foods. These are me being crazy. Then you wonder when you have them, you have the last supper and you go ballistic on them. All foods need to be neutral. Yeah. 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 And I think they do. I mean, honestly, I think they do that because they want you to not make that choice. Sure. Right. Like they want you to eat fruit for breakfast. They don't want you eating a Starbucks muffin. Right. And then you have to yeah. like, quote unquote, like punish yourself for the rest of the day and have steamed chicken and vegetables because See, you that's, that's, a, that's a fucked up mentality. A little bit of discipline is one thing, but punishment's another. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I use that word, but you know what I mean? Like they sure. want you to like feel the muffin all day and like, a but, but that's the issue. That's, 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 that's a, that's the, it's inherently a punishment, right? Like yeah. you shouldn't feel guilty when you surround foods with guilt. You're, you're trapped. You're already fucked. If you literally are putting certain foods with a guilt vibed over them, you, you're yeah. already fucked. Yeah. And I think maybe like, listening to you now, like maybe just having the calorie number a day. And just, if you assign the actual calories to what food is, it's sort of like removing that emotion, right? Like, yeah, because it's all equal, right? People go, Oh, Jared, healthy calories are different than unhealthy. And I'm like, so you're telling me two inches on a wall is a different length than two inches on the floor. It's like, no, two inches is two inches. So, but now people are assholes and say, Oh, so I'm going to have all my calories from pop tarts and gummy bears. That's not sustainable. You'll hate your life. It's you'll be hungry too. That's why we have balance. But just like with your money, you, you, you don't put morality with spending money on a really nice bag. If you budgeted for it, right. You're not like, Oh no, that's a bad purchase. It's like, no, you make enough money. You budgeted buy the damn bag. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with, with calories. It's not like, Oh, brownies, they're bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. What is your philosophy? I mean, I'm looking you in the background, you have a nice weight set set up. So what's your philosophy on exercise or does it fit into the puzzle? So, um, this is my, this is my, we have a, like a two car garage and it's basically my space, like my podcast studio, my workout area, mm-hmm. like my, my desk and stuff. Um, no, I think it's extra move, not yeah Movement as a whole is in, imperative. Right. But like, let's say your goal is fat loss. Like with you, like mm-hmm. what you're saying, um, every person for every goal needs to be strength training. Now I'm not saying like crazy amounts, but I, but especially, especially for the goal of fat loss, be basic fundamental strength training, two or three days a week, four tops is pivotal for fat loss, nothing crazy, but sustainable, getting really strong, building some muscle, not getting big and bulky. That's really hard to do, especially as a woman, um, a woman dieting on top of it, but, but no, it's extremely important. I like to exercise every day Mm -hmm. and I I need it for my head as a distraction, as a, I feel like I feel like if I don't get up and like move in the morning, like I go, I walk my dogs for like two miles in the morning and then I do some kind of like something and I feel agitated if I don't do that, which I know it means I'm mental, but I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not a bad habit. Is it? Uh, could be. So here's the thing. Now it's one of those things where like, I'm not saying exercise is bad. It's the intention behind it. Right. Um, if you are, I, I think everyone should move every day, right? I think everyone should like, if that means getting 10,000 steps, taking your dogs on a walk, you know, having lots of sex, whatever you do, like movement every day, right? Yeah. Um, but 
if you feel like you have to, otherwise your head is agitated, I almost, and you currently struggle with emotional eating. I think it sounds like suppressing emotion with movement and exercise. Like I had a client I was working with and she's like, Jared, I'm so stressed. And I just like cleaned my house for three hours. I'm like, because you don't, because it's a distraction. You don't want to sit with your suck. You don't want to look at your inner darkness, which you have to. That's, that's the only way we get on the other side of this. So think about it. If every day you get anxious, so you go move, that's a distraction. If then all of a sudden you're still stressed, you clean your house, then you're still stressed at night. So you smash a bunch of cereal. You're not a list. That's, that's literally like running from your kid that needs you. It's literally like your, your kid going, mommy, I'm sad. And you're like, leave me the fuck alone. Go handle it yourself. That's literally what's happening. Right. I'm not saying, cause this, this is where like how to put just because something's a good habit used with the wrong intention and context can be detrimental. Right. Water is great. We all know water is really important, but water can also drown you. Right. Yeah. It's context. You drink, you know, you get thrown in the bottom of the lake it's going to drown you. You'll, or we've even seen pro athletes, like they throw their electrolyte balance off with water and they die, right? Water out of context. It's the most important thing we can have every day is water, but it can still kill you if used improperly. So it sounds like, I'm not saying don't move or exercise every day. I think it sounds like in your case, specifically, you are using it as a way to distract and suppress. I, no one has ever said this to me before. I'm like, oh, people get pissed when I tell them this. Like when no, I made I'm a post pissed. about like how pissed. exercise is not therapy, people go, well, working out's my therapy. I'm like, no, 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 You're using that as an emotional, emotional suppression tool. Therapy is therapy. Working out and distracting and sweating a lot is not therapy. You're, you like nailed it. No one's ever said this to me before, but I it's always important. thought, I'm like, it's exercise. Like, you know, and it's weird because I'll go and like do my thing in the morning. It makes me feel, I get like endorphins. I go and put my clothes on. It gives me a confidence boost, mm-hmm. but yeah. And, and that's thing, I'm not saying, and I'm not, I'm not saying moving every day is bad, but feeling, here's the thing. Most people who work out every day, like what you're saying, number one, they feel like they have to, to have any chance at weight loss. Well, that's wrong. That's right up there with carb storing fat. It's just not true. Yeah. Number two, if you're using it as a way to not feel anxious and you're suppressing, and you also happen to power clean your house when you're stressed and happen to emotionally eat, you're more than likely using exercise as a tool to not feel things and be distracted. I'll give you a great example. Um, I tell this in kind of my story. I originally built my business out of what you're doing. Um, I was, I grew up with like the whole, like, Hey, we're not supposed to express our emotions and feel things. Mm -hmm. So I would feel sad, depressed, anxious, And I'm like, I'm going to go create content till three in the morning. I'm going to go do all this crazy stuff. So I originally built my business from the foundation of me avoiding my feelings and thoughts. And my business helps crazy amounts of people all over the planet. Right. So it's, it's good, but I actually built it in the beginning from not wanting to, from wanting to distract from my own suck. Cause I thought I shouldn't feel those things. But then I also achieved out of it. Right. I made money. I built a global business. Like I'm fucking kicking ass, but I, so I was then trapped by it mm. versus then it's like, what now I have to do that to keep my income and to keep my food on the table. So it can actually go really far and trap you, right? I'm beyond that now we're good, but, um, but you can absolutely use something good as a, as a tool to hurt. I think I'm doing that. Probably. Oh my God. I'm like having a breakthrough. Good. I love it. Amazing. So I don't want to keep you too much because I'm really appreciative of your time and I know how busy you are. So tell everyone how they can find you if they think 
you're dope and they want to follow you. <laughs> so, uh, I spent, I hang out most of my days on Instagram and TikTok at real Jared Hamilton on both of those. Okay. If you like this really deep rabbit hole kind of content, my podcast is dope. Uh, it's called the Hamilton trained podcast. Um, or just, I'm not hard to find type in Jared Hamilton, literally anywhere. And I pop up. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to contact you offline. We're going to get it going here. Okay. Absolutely. I love it. I think I need more help. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, I'm not trying to be a cocky asshole, but I believe I'm the best in the world at fixing this stuff. So I, I, I'm real. I really, you've just helped me in the 30 minutes that you've spoken to me. So <laughs> I really, really, really appreciate it. And I think that there's more here and, um, I'm going to start journaling and I'm going to report wow. back to you after 30 oh, days wow. of this. Awesome. That'd be dope. And I'm going to contact you on offline and we'll see how, how much more you can help me. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you so much, Jared. No problem. Have Anytime. a great day. You too. I'll talk soon. Bye. I hope you guys liked that and learned something from it. So I'm actually going to apply some of these principles to my daily life, add it to my already excessively healthy routine. And I'm going to check in with you guys. Let's say I will check in in 30 days and see how I'm doing. And you don't need to know my weight or my measurements. I'm not going to do that. It's a bit much, but I'm going to let you know how these mindfulness practices and sensible eating and calorie deficit advices from Jared are going to be working out for me. And I'll let you know how it is. So maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's not about keto and fasting and whatever. Anyway, one more thing we, before we go. You all know that I stan Kelly Clarkson. I've loved her since I laid eyes on her in the first American Idol in 2001. I followed her career. I root for her. I think she's a genuinely talented and lovely person. In 2012, she met a guy named Brandon Blackstock. At the time, Brandon was married to another woman with older children. Kelly said in interviews that after 2013 when they did get married that she had thought about him after they met even though he was married and I tried to think back and I believe that this was her first sort of public relationship I think she like kind of played around with Justin Guarini a little bit back in the day from Justin to Kelly but I think that was really more for press and I don't really believe that was a real relationship so Brandon was like her first public real relationship she went on to marry him they did split I'm sorry he did split from his wife his first wife before he did officially get together with Kelly so don't go labeling my girl a homewrecker he was already in trouble when they met and they have said and I believe her because she's a woman of God that they did not do anything untoward so cut to 2014, they had a daughter named River, and then two years later, they had a son named Remington, which they call who they call Remy, which I think is so cute. Then in early 2020, right when the pandemic began, um, Kelly filed for divorce from Brandon Blackstock. Now, the way that she filed for divorce was very telling. She said that they could not something like the the relationship was no longer viable and she filed for primary physical custody of her children and it was granted immediately which means that Brandon basically just said like okay and didn't fight it so that's kind of strange um 
And then he promptly moved to Montana and bought a ranch with Kelly's money. Now, that's a little strange. Um, The fact that he would give up his life with his children in Los Angeles in their supposedly very glitzy, comfortable life. They had a ranch in Nashville, which is where Brandon was from, and Kelly spent a lot of time. When Kelly started doing her talk show and she started really pulling in some money, they bought a big place in Los Angeles and the kids were going back and forth for a while and then once they got to be school age, Kelly had to make a decision and you know, kind of put them in one place so they chose to stay in California. Brandon, it was said, did not like LA. Although he is a Hollywood guy, he's very like down to earth, likes to be in the country, did not like the glitz of LA. He always kind of felt a little bit in her shadow, which, I mean, she's a queen and she's a huge superstar. And now she's a daytime TV success. So, yeah, you're going to have to sit this one out a little bit, Brandon. But it wasn't good enough for him. Brandon had some of his own success. He actually was, um, he was the ex-nephew of Reba McIntyre. So, um, I'm sorry, no, he was the ex-stepson. So his dad was married to Reba McIntyre for 23 years. They've actually since split, but he rode those coattails for a while. Became a country music manager. He was Blake Shelton's manager for a while. And so he was no slouch while they were married. But again, when, when Kelly basically moved to LA as her base, that's when things started falling apart for them. I did a TikTok about this, but... I'm completely outraged because in March of, I'm sorry, in December of 2020, Brandon Blackstock filed papers in Los Angeles to ask Kelly for $436,000 a month in total support from Kelly. $301,000 a month for spousal support, $135,000 in child support, plus a $2 million bonus on top of that for his attorney fees. Now, that's totally insane, given that you don't even have any custody of your children, um, that you would need $135,000 a month for caring for them two weeks of the month in Montana. Um, Sorry, even two weekends of the month in Montana. It's absolutely absurd. So Kelly, it seems, makes over $1.5 million a month, which is about $20 million a year. So if you think about it in those terms, maybe those numbers aren't that crazy. But, and I think that's where they're trying to get away with it. Like, well, based on Kelly's salary, yeah, but you don't need $300,000 a month plus $135,000 a month for kids you don't even have in your care. That's insane. So Kelly has the same divorce attorney that Kim Kardashian had. Her name is Laura Wasser. She is a shark. And we think that Laura was kind of doing her job because Brandon has now ended up with $195,601 a month from Kelly in support. He is going to receive $150,000 a month in spousal support and $45,601 in child support. Again, Brandon has made himself a rancher in Montana for his job. So he is going to be paid $200,000 a month from Kelly to live on a ranch in Montana and see his kids every once in a while. Unbelievable. I can't believe that. 
I mean, girls, do not, I said this on TikTok in my video, do not swipe right on this guy. He's a douche. Anyone that would take that kind of money from a hardworking spouse when you've done absolutely nothing but ride their coattails and refuse to do any of the actual parenting, shame on you. He is a douche. And not a real man. I mean, a real man, I'm sorry, I know it's sexist, whatever. A real man does not take a working woman, mother of your children's money. That is so gross. I hope he gets what's coming to him. I also have a feeling that Kelly may live out the rest of her days as a late in life lesbian. I just, I don't know where I got it from. I'm not sure why. I just have a feeling that she might be happier with a woman and I'm, I'm here for it. I just want her to be happy and I want really good divorce music to come out of this. I want an angry album and then I want a love album and I think she should do it soon. I know she's caught up with the talk show thing and she's doing great at that, but I think we're ready for an album, everybody. She's, she's, I work on something because I think there's some, there's a good story in there to be told and right now she's being too classy and not selling it. Anyway, um, a picture came out today of Tom Girardi looking very frail and old. Remember, he hasn't been sane in public for a year. He's 82. He supposedly has Alzheimer's. He is very thin, very gaunt looking. He also had a black eye. And people are like, oh, what happened? You know, my dad is not as old as Tom Girardi, but he's around there. And my dad... I think these older men that go on blood thinners and stuff, my dad always has like black eyes or like a busted lip and he's always got cuts on his legs. And I just think they, as you get older, you just like get hurt more and you bleed and you get these like gross like skin things. And so I think that's that. And I, obviously he's awful and is probably struggling with that at some point. So that's probably why he looks terrible. But I've also heard when you're struggling with dementia, Alzheimer's, um, eating is an issue. So like a lot of times um, you're not hungry, you forget to eat, so you don't take care of yourself very well. It's, it's very difficult if you're not um, under direct care that you aren't really very well nourished. So that's another thing. But then the other part of my brain flips on and I think, hmm, like this is a little bit... Like, he's wearing these, like, gross baggy khakis and, like, a really oversized shirt, and he looks very frail and unassuming and, like, a, a little old man. And, and I was sort of thinking, like, this sort of reminds me of when Harvey Weinstein, before he got convicted and put in jail, when he was walking around with the walker with the tennis balls on it, and, like, we were supposed to buy that he was this frail old man, and then... And then you see videos of him like skipping around prison like he he. They also did it with Bill Cosby. Looked like frail old man on trial. And then when he was released a couple weeks ago, he was like, he he. You know, all of a sudden he's cured. <laughs> prison did him well. So let's not read too much into this. It's an interesting time to release a picture. It's it's interesting. I want, It's like I almost wonder if Erica's people released this. I don't know wonder what the end game here is, here is with that. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon. Eat in a calorie deficit. Love you. Bye. I almost forgot. 
please leave me a five-star review on iTunes if you can. Spread the word of So Inappropriate because it's the right thing to do. And the more you guys spread the word, the better it is for me, the better content I can bring you, the better people I can get on for you. Send me things you want to hear about. Keep the show moving along. Love you guys.